Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our Grassroots Government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Friday, January 25th of 2019. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. We've got another packed podcast ahead for you this week. First, we're going to take a step back and look at some news headlines that happened a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we did a podcast from the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in New Orleans, and all of our content took up that podcast, so we had some things we missed from earlier in the month. We're going to step back and look at those. The Louisiana Rice Council and the Louisiana Rice Growers Association held their annual meeting earlier this month in Jennings. Our very own Don Molino attended that meeting, and he'll bring you some of the news headlines that came out of it. We'll also take a look at the upcoming Cattle Industry Convention and National Cattlemen's Beef Association trade show that's coming up this coming week in New Orleans. And we'll visit with LSU Ag Center Ag Economist Dr. Michael Deliberto about the cotton industry. He believes cotton acreage will be on the rise here in 2019, and he'll give us his reasons why. In grassroots government, we visit with former Louisiana Congressman Charles Bustani. He'll take a look at the current trade situation and the effect that it's having on Louisiana farmers and farmers nationwide. In the field this week, we visit with Scotty Fontenot. He's a farmer from Evangeline Parish. He'll take a look back at the 2018 crop and a look forward at what he's expecting on his Evangeline Parish farm in 2019. As usual, our regular market analysts check in with us, Greg Fox, Mark Tall, and Dave Foster. They'll give us a look at the grain, rice, and cattle markets. Then we wrap it all up with a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. All of that and more coming up on Episode 25 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Now, before we get this latest podcast underway, I just wanted to remind you that we distribute our podcast four ways. You can access us through Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone. You can access us through Google Play if you have an Android phone. You can also access through SoundCloud, either on your desktop or on your mobile device. Regardless, download the SoundCloud app, and that will get you our podcast, as well as just going to SoundCloud.com on any computer or mobile device. And the final way that you can access our podcast, and probably the most popular way that we're finding out, is just on our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com, or you can shorten that up, voiceoflaag.com. You'll see a podcast link at the top of the page. Click that, and you'll get a list of all of the podcasts that we've ever produced, with the newest one being on top. And you can listen to any of those streaming directly off of our website anytime, anywhere that you can get an Internet signal. So those four ways, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and off of our website, voiceoflaag.com. 
Episode 25 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast kicks off right now. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In Farm News Headlines this week, Farm Service Agency offices across Louisiana are now open for business. Kyle McCann with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation says there's important business that farmers need to take care of now that the offices are open. Well, first and foremost, uh operating loans. Uh, it's this time of year to get your operating loans lined up and go forward. A uh, majority of growers in our state either use the direct or guaranteed loan program. So it's absolutely critical that they get moving on this. It takes some time and these offices, while they're going to be open, it's not guaranteed they're going to be open uh, after the 21st of February. So it's important to move on that. Uh, secondly would be the MFP payments. Uh, a lot of growers had already filed their paperwork before December 28th. Anybody that did not needs to get in as soon as they can and get that work started as well. McCann says this is not a permanent opening of the Farm Service Agency. The government is still shut down. Funding is still short. So we're on an abbreviated schedule for now. Well, right now, USDA has announced that they will be open five days a week, uh, 8 to 430 like normal until February the 8th. After February the 8th, they will go to a three-day work schedule, which includes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, but after February 21st, we don't know what will be, whether the government will be finally reopened or whether they will stay on a reduced schedule or if they'll be open at all. So McCann encourages Louisiana farmers to get into their local FSA office and take care of any business they have while we have the offices open. I think it's very important that growers utilize this window and get in as soon as they can, contact their local FSA office and schedule an appointment and get the paperwork rolling. Louisiana Farm Bureau's Kyle McCann. In other farm news, the Louisiana Rice Council and the Louisiana Rice Growers Association held their annual joint meeting earlier this month. It was a news-making meeting, and one of the biggest stories to come out of that meeting was that the Louisiana Rice Research Board has given the LSU Rice Research Station a late Christmas gift of $1 million. Don Molino was there and has this story. The chairman of the board, Richard Fontenot, handed over the gift Wednesday night at the annual Louisiana Rice Growers and Rice Producers meeting in Jennings. With some of the Columbia TRQ funds dedicated to rice research over the years, since 2014 we've been discussing this particular option. In 2015, the board decided in its leadership, so with Chairman Jackie Lohr and, and Dr. Steve Linscombe at the helm, will put some things together in which we can develop and, and put some money towards a Louisiana-specific endowment chair that will be here for perpetuity for rice research at our station in Crowley. We were able to dedicate a million dollars. We got the, the appropriate legal work and paperwork, if you will, uh, this past summer that reaffirmed our opportunities to do that. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The keynote speaker at the Louisiana Rice Council and Louisiana Rice Growers Association meeting was Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards. The governor thanked Louisiana rice farmers for the contribution they make to the state's economy. Collectively, uh, you've made uh, Louisiana one of the top three rice producing states in the nation, as you know. Um, and what is that worth? 
Well, in 2017, we don't have the final numbers for 2018 yet, uh, but 2000, I'm sorry, 2.7 billion pounds of rice generating $373 million in economic activity. Now, this year was actually a little better year in terms of yield and in terms of the acreage, acreage planted, and so probably more than $400 million this year. That is huge. Uh, it'd be huge to any state. But to a state our size, uh, that is that is very significant. And I want to thank you for your many uh, contributions because I understand how significant those statistics are. Governor Edwards also addressed the current trade situation and the effect it's having on Louisiana agriculture. You know, I understand that it's been a particularly difficult time uh, for soybean farmers, and I know that some of you grow soybean uh, soybeans, not not all of you. Um, I just want you to know that I have. Uh, voiced my concerns about the impacts of the tariffs and the retaliatory tariffs. And look, it is important to have free and fair trade, and we got to stop countries from cheating. And and what I've asked the president to do is to be successful, but just to to get there sooner than later, if at all possible, uh, because we've got to have a market uh, for our grains. Uh, and and I know that that's that's critically important. And the subsidy was good, but it didn't really work when there's absolutely no market for the soybeans because it just wasn't available. Uh, and I know that many soybean farmers ended up having uh, to leave those soybeans in the field. And, and uh, th- I know that was, that was really tough. And yet another big story for the Louisiana rice industry broke this month. China is opening its market to U.S. rice. Don Molino reports. Jackie Lauer, chairman of the Louisiana Rice Producers, says the U.S. rice industry has been working on this for the past 10 years. The protocol was finally signed, oh, a year and a half ago, and uh, there were some uh, lingering issues that had to be dealt with. The key USDA department that's, that's handling this for the rice is APHIS, Animal Plant and Health Inspection Service, and uh, they have to approve everything that, that goes out. And that should be enough. The Chinese have come in and inspected several uh, mills. What's, what seems to be an issue, and hopefully it will be resolved this week, is that there are very few mills that are on the actual list that are approved. None in Texas, none in Louisiana. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Another big national farm meeting is coming to Louisiana next week. The 2019 Cattle Industry Convention and National Cattlemen's Beef Association Trade Show will be held in New Orleans. Jennifer Houston is president-elect of the NCBA. We're coming to New Orleans and we're going to have a wonderful meeting and a, a big time. We're, we've worked with New Orleans. They've been very welcoming. Uh, we're going to be at the convention center. We'll have acres of trade show under that roof. Uh, we'll be using all the hotels down there by the river and by the convention center. We'll probably be having anywhere from 9,500 to 10,000 plus cattlemen come down there for uh, both checkoff meetings, policy meetings. NCBA is a grassroots organization, so all of our policy comes to these annual meetings that, from their county to their state to their national. Uh, the trade show is something to behold in and of itself. Uh, we've got great entertainment. Uh, we really try to make it. If you stay for the whole thing and experience, I think Big and Rich is playing on Friday night. Um, Thursday night, I believe we're going to the Mardi Gras Museum. So two weeks before Mardi Gras, we'll get to see all the floats and all the 
all the hoopla that's going on. So we're just totally excited about it and hope all the South Louisiana or all the Louisiana cattlemen as well as Mississippi will, will drive in for the day because you've never been there and it's that close. I would urge you to t- take a day or two and go down and see. It is absolutely mind-boggling. The convention will start on Tuesday, the 29th of January, and run through Friday, February 1st. The cotton outlook across the cotton belt and here in Louisiana looks somewhat better for 2019. The LSU Ag Center has released its early season outlook. LSU Ag Center economist Dr. Michael Deliberto. Surveys by some of the trade publications indicate that cotton acreage in the Mid-South is going to be up this year. Um, at the end of November going into December, uh, the thought was by some in the cotton industry that uh, U.S. acreage could approach that 14.5 uh, million acre mark. However, early indications are acreage may be under 14 million in the neighborhood of 13.8 million acres, and that's mainly attributed to uh, the improving price of corn and soybeans as of recently. Now, I know there's a lot of uncertainty still surrounding the uh, economic outlook uh, for uh, soybeans in particular, um, but the expectations uh, for a cotton crop are going to be dependent upon uh, prices of alternative crops, the grains and oilseed, like I mentioned, but also peanuts out of the southeast. Uh, Georgia's your second leading cotton producing state. Indications are there that uh, peanut acres may be reduced. Uh, whether those acres go into cotton or soybeans, it's hard to say, but the logical fit there is cotton. Um, but also uh, the dryland cotton production in West Texas uh, may increase this year. Um, I know the forecast for a wetter than normal growing season, more moisture in the soil, uh, different weather reports for a wetter than normal uh, El Nino forecast certainly bode well for Texas. Um, but um, in some of those early survey numbers, we're seeing Louisiana cotton acreage could go up as much as 40,000 acres this year. Uh, Mississippi could increase substantially. Over 100,000 acres of cotton uh, would bring them to almost 790,000 uh, acres uh, in that state. Deliberto says infrastructure will be the limiting factor as to how much acreage can grow in each state. You know, I think the appetite for cotton is there. Um, however, uh, the capacity to gin it and harvest it is going to be what uh, is going to limit a lot of growers from making the switch. Um, when you couple that with the uh, intensity to manage the crops, to produce it, but also the specialized equipment needed to harvest it and gin capacity, uh, it's certainly an issue that would put a ceiling on how, how many cotton acres uh, could be planted in this state uh, as well as in the Mid-South total. And one other factor of uncertainty is the current world trade situation. When you look at the supply and demand balance sheet, the economic for, uh, outlook for cotton, uh, prices are forecasted to be up this year. Now, so much of that revolves on uh, these trade tensions with China, uh, but the expectation is that, um, you know, if the U.S. can find, you know, secondary markets outside of Vietnam and China, uh, it could certainly help. However, um, a shot in the arm of demand from China, Turkey, or India would certainly bode well for the market because the U.S. cotton market uh, exports about 75% of production is raw fiber. Um, so, Naturally, the trade tensions that we're seeing now have disrupted uh, the world cotton trade uh, to a certain degree. Uh, exports earlier uh, in the year, earlier in the calendar year for cotton, uh, looked good. Rumors were that China was going to buy more cotton prior to these uh, retaliatory tariffs going in place. Uh, but that number of possibly buying 3 million uh, bales turned into maybe 1.5, 1.7 million bales. So it's always concerned when a large buyer curtails their purchases from you. 
LSU Ag Economist Dr. Michael Deliberto. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. And remember, you can keep up to date each day by checking out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. We update that site every weekday with the latest news, information, and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. Again, that's voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. While you're there... Don't forget to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. There's a big button right in the middle of the home page. Click that button, fill out your information, and we'll send you our newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. It comes to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. And like the website, it includes all of the news, information, and happenings going on in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up next, it's grassroots government. We'll check in with former Louisiana Congressman Dr. Charles Bustani. We caught up with Dr. Bustani at the recent American Farm Bureau Federation convention in New Orleans. We'll get an update on what he's been up to since he left Congress, and he'll talk about tariffs and trade. That's next on Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On Grassroots Government this week, we're visiting with Dr. Charles Bustani, former Louisiana congressman. Dr. Bustani, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Well, Carrie, it's great to be with you. Well, uh, we do miss having you in Congress. You are a great advocate for Louisiana agriculture in Washington, D.C. What have you been up to here lately? Well, right now I'm doing everything I can to help the ag communities across this country and to look at how we get trade policy right to open up markets and get some tariff relief because so many farms are struggling right now uh, for a variety of reasons, but trade policy is one of them. Well, trade has definitely been at the top of the news over the last year, especially in Louisiana. Uh, we have felt the brunt of this trade war with China, especially soybean farmers. Tell me about what you feel can be done to get this situation fixed. Well, we've got to get tariff relief, and we have to, we have to open up new markets. Uh, the United States is behind on trade policy. We only have 14 trade agreements, and not with any of the major economies. We don't have Japan, the EU, China. And then, of course, now we've got all these tariff issues, which are barriers um, and creating retaliation against our, our farmers. In Louisiana, we've now seen, uh, uh, based on October data, uh, $85 million in tariffs and $39 million in retaliatory tariffs. So our exports are down, and it's hurting it's hurting a lot of folks. Uh, crops don't have markets to go to, and, that, and that's, that's not a good thing. Louisiana is such an important agriculture state, not only for our farms here, 
but because of the port and the Mississippi River, we've got a lot of grain coming down the, down the river that gets exported. All that's at risk right now because of this trade war. Well, what do you feel like uh, is going to happen with this trade war? Is this something that we're making progress on, or is this something that's going to get drawn out into a long ordeal? Well, the risk is it's going to get drawn out for a long time and create a lot of collateral damage here in the here back home. Uh, one of the big concerns I have is in looking at this, we've got some very difficult issues with China on intellectual property and technology issues that are a security risk. Those things are going to take a long time to deal with, but there's no reason why we should escalate this into a war that hurts our agriculture, because that that's not really a security issue. So I think the way the president has indiscriminately applied tariffs is causing way more t collateral damage than it's giving him leverage to get anything done. Now, I'm hopeful before March they'll get a deal that does open up China's market for our soybeans and other ag commodities. I think it's critically important. Well, and you mentioned earlier that, yes, China is a big part of this, but there are tariffs uh, that we deal with all over the world. Uh, what other hot spots uh, do you feel like are important for us to focus on? Well, the other thing that's happened is when the president put these tariffs on steel and aluminum on a lot of our friends, our allies, our trading partners, uh, Canada, Mexico, Japan, EU, those countries have retaliated against us as well uh, by putting tariffs on our ag commodities that we export. So it's not just China. Uh, I, I have not seen any movement yet on the part of the administration to, to pull back on those tariffs. Uh, meantime, we don't have a trade agreements with a lot of those countries. And in fact, even the USMCA, the new agreement with Mexico and Canada, is at risk because these tariffs are still in place. So we need to get we need to see this administration step it up and get reasonable on on understanding what's happening across uh, the country farm after farm so that we get these markets open for our our commodities well you mentioned the new uh, NAFTA 2.0 the USMCA do you feel like that is a step in the right direction if we can get it ratified by Congress I think it is a step in the right direction it's uh, certainly better than nothing I think from, a, from an agriculture standpoint, the gains are probably marginally better, uh, especially for dairy, it's, but it's marginal. I think for our other commodities, it's more or less the same as the old NAFTA. But the fact is, at least we have an agreement. But if, if we don't get this new one done and the president pulls out of the old one, then that will be the worst of all possible worlds. So we don't want that to happen. We need an agreement with Mexico and Canada. Those are two very important markets for our ag commodities. Frankly, I'd like to see Canada open up more. I think we could get Canada to do that, but it is what it is. We just don't want to take steps backwards. Dr. Bustani, you're here representing a group called Farmers for Free Trade. Tell me about that group and what it does. Well, this is a group that's been uh, very actively engaged across the country, uh, understanding what's happening in farm after farm across the country, what are the impacts of tariffs, and then also advocating for good trade policy that opens markets for our farmers and cuts out these and gets rid of these tariffs. Um, farmers for Free Trade is combined with uh, some other coalition groups, um, roughly about 160 different entities in a coalition called Tariffs Hurt the Heartland. And it's basically advocating for farmers and businesses across this country that want good trade policy. 
Former Louisiana Congressman Dr. Charles Bustani, thank you so much, Dr. Bustani. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Kerry. Great to be with you, and I'm hoping we see some, some good relief for our farms. Coming up next, we go in the field to talk with one of you. We visit with Evangeline Parish farmer Scotty Fontenot. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana sugar, making life sweeter naturally. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field this week to talk with Scotty Fontenot. He's a farmer from Evangeline Parish. Scotty, tell folks a little bit about your farm. Uh, how many acres and what do you grow? All right, we do about 500 acres of rice, 400 acres of soybeans, and about 170 acres of crawfish. Well, tell me about how this past season went for you. I know you were in Evangeline Parish uh, where things were not good for soybeans. Uh, did you end up getting any of your crop out of the field? All right, yeah, we were lucky getting our soybeans out. We had about 450 acres, and we were able to get everything out except for about uh, 15 acres. And uh, we put it all in our own bins to let them dry down and miss the, the bad weather. And then uh, we were, our damage was low. We were able to get them all to a local port. So we, we, lucked, we were one of the few that lucked out and cut most of our soybeans. Did the weather cause any problems getting your rice out of the field this past year? The rice first crop wasn't really too bad. That was before all the big rain started. Uh, it did limit some of our second crop. We did rut up some fields. Uh, the soybeans, everything we cut was in the mud. It rutted up all our soybean land. And the second crop rice, uh, most of that was cut. It made ruts and cut in the mud. Have you had a chance to get in the fields and do any field work so far this year, or has it still been too wet? Oh, it's been still too wet. The only thing we got to do is make a little bit of most of our rice levees because that was on hills, and most of that dried up fairly quick, but uh, that's the only field work we did. Well, let's talk about crawfish. I've seen reports that uh, crawfish season is coming a little early this year. How are things looking on your place? All right. Yeah, the crawfish is not earlier than normal, but earlier than last year. Uh, last year at this time, we were freezing in the, in the teens windshields every day. This year with the warm weather, they were starting to move. The catch is low. We started fishing last week, uh, and we caught pretty decent for the first week in January. We were able to uh, get our traps out, get the boats out into the water, and get everything set up. So we were a little bit ahead of last year. Well, how's the crop mix looking for this year? Did last year's weather and experience affect what you're going to put in the ground this year? It's going to definitely affect the varieties. I don't know about the acres yet, but uh, the varieties will be switched around a little bit. Well, what are you going to go with this year? 
the rice varieties. I don't know how much clear field we're going to plant. We might go with some more conventional varieties. Uh, soybeans might be the same. Um, with the market drop and the uh, situation with the weather and stuff, I don't know exactly what's going to come around just yet. It's kind of early. Well, I guess you're like most farmers. You're an optimist. I guess you're expecting for things to get better this year. <laughs> yeah, we're always hoping for the best. Uh, which we're, gonna, we're planning on trying it again. Like I said, the crawfish starts off the season and then if it can carry on into the rice, and then we'll see what happens with the soybeans later on. <laughs> Scotty Fontenot from Evangeline Parish. Thanks a lot, Scotty. All right, you're welcome. Up next, it's time to look at the markets. We'll check in with our regular market analysts for their opinions on the grain, rice, and cattle markets. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at lafarmbureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And to talk about the markets, we go to our regular market analyst, Greg Fox. He's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, what's been the news in the grain and oilseed markets this week? No, it's been kind of quiet. You know, Brazil, South America has popped up. You know, they've We've seen some weather issues there, you know, dry, some areas a little too much moisture and others. You know, they're talking, they're knocking back their total production. So we should see it come in below 120 million metric tons. You know, some of those numbers are going to be refined a little bit later, but a lot of the experts are putting them about 118 million metric tons. So we'll still kind of have to wait and see where they do come out at. Their harvest is slowly progressing, um, but just about everybody expects them to be below some of their normal numbers. That's helped give us a little bit of support here recently. Well, Greg, I know we're kind of guessing when we do talk about crop numbers because we're not getting any official reports out of the government because of the shutdown. Is that affecting the markets right now? It hasn't had a huge impact on the market either way. Um, it's slowed information. You know, a lot of folks kind of have an idea where we are. So we're kind of trading off of what they think the numbers are going to be. Um, you know, we hear talk that China wants to buy more beans, but they haven't done it yet. So, you know, without getting some of that information, it's limiting us to the upside, but I think it's also limiting a little bit of downside right now as well. Greg, what are you hearing from some of your customers? Uh, here we sit uh, almost in February. It's time to start making planting decisions. Are you hearing of any big changes or shifts in the crop mix this year? Not huge changes. Um, you know, some folks that have grain storage and they plant corn, they'll probably put in a little bit more corn. Um, you know, you're looking at, you know, 395 or so on September corn, so that works well for us. Uh, so they might do a little bit more than that, especially if they've had good luck with corn crop. Um, you know, 950 levels on beans, it's still, you can still get, you know, your loan. 
So a lot, a lot of folks are going to stick with beans. In some areas, they don't have much of a choice. They'll have to stick with beans. So I do think we'll see smaller bean acres in the state of Louisiana. You'll see cotton maybe pick up a little bit. I think sugar cane will pick up some. And, and corn could pick up a little bit, but we're not gonna we're not gonna see a huge swing to the downside on beans. I think we'll be right at where we planted last year, you know, slightly under that number. Greg, you mentioned farmers getting their loans this year. Um, any word on a situation where some guys just weren't able to get financing, aren't going to be able to get financing, and just flat out aren't going to be farming this year? I haven't heard that yet. You know, we know some folks went out of business or, or not going to be able to go into this year, you know, well after harvest. You know, they, they knew that well after harvest, they weren't going to be able to uh, pay the bank back just off of their crops. So they had to sell off equipment. So we've seen a few of those guys, but I haven't heard anyone get turned down yet for loans. Uh, a lot of the banks, you know, could be holding out hope that they can, you know, cash flow at these 950 levels and be able to pay back you know, with they own last year's loan and pay back this year's loan. So, you know, we're still kind of waiting to see how that's going to play out. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks are starting to make those decisions now and, and need to think about getting something sold to show some cash flow. Do you know if uh, farmers still have a lot of damaged beans in the bin and, and if they have any, any recourse, anything to do with those damaged beans right now? There are some still out there, and folks are moving at some of the locations. You know, Zeno Grain is showing 30% max damage. So they've taken some high damage stuff. So folks have been able to move some of that high damage. Um, so we're starting to see it come out of the bins. You know, if they're still sitting on beans, they need to get it moved because we could see where about middle of February that everybody kind of shuts off taking beans because that's when we start to see bean export boats really dry up. Uh, the, they don't have a whole lot of left on the lineup after about the middle of February. So you know, we need to get some business now to help move those big, uh, beans out of the grain bins because about the middle of February is when China is going to go back to South America for their beans. They've already had a lot of purchases for that time frame. So regardless of tariffs are lifted or not, about the middle of February is when we're going to see China switch to South American origin. So, if anybody is still sitting on anything, they want to, they might want to consider getting that stuff moved out now rather than later. Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, Greg. Yes, sir. Thank you. Now for a closer look at the rice market, we check in with Mark Tall. He's a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association's Rice Marketing Office in Crowley, Louisiana. Well, the futures market is slightly higher, especially over the last four trading sessions, March had a low of 10.34 to a high of 10.81.5 from January the 16th to the 22nd. Uh, there continues to be really a tr- uh, trading concern long and short term, futures and cash, as we continue to battle over the trade terms. Uh, nonetheless, we continue to move rice at a slower pace, but this is also due to lost sales over the last few years as we battle price differences with our neighboring countries. Uh, if by any chance we could once again secure our market spot in the overall marketplace, it would make a world of difference to our overall industry. Rice marketer Mark Tall. Now we switch to the cattle markets where we check in with Dave Foster. Dave is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Dave, how's life treating you today? Life is good as long as we can see that sunshine. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, speaking <laughs> of the sunshine, you know, we have just been dealing with all of this nasty wet weather here across Louisiana. 
Uh, and I can only guess that uh, the members that you talk to in your organization are still dealing with wet, muddy conditions. Is that still the case? Yes, it surely is. We've got uh, we've got that situation uh, going there. You know, as you know, we're right we're right there where uh, the springborn calves are are starting to those calves are starting to drop those calves now, and here we are uh, with all these muddy conditions and. If you don't have a place to get those calves uh, away and the mama away, it uh, it really really causes a, a hard problem, especially when you're feeding hay with rings and uh, out there, and these calves get stomped on and, and trapped up. It's it's really it is really really a, a situation that uh, that has uh, caused a lot of people a lot of anxiety and problems, and hopefully we'll. We'll get that sun out more and and dry those conditions up. And granted, we've got enough moisture to grow the ryegrass, so uh, that won't be a problem as long as the temperatures improve a little bit and and the sun stays out. We can uh, we can overcome some of these problems for sure. Dave, let's talk about the market real quick. I know we had uh, market reports out from Kinder, from Red River in Cachata, and also from Dominique's in Baton Rouge and Opelousas this week. Have you had a chance to take a look at those market reports, and is there anything that you saw in them worth talking about? Yes, sir. I, I have looked at them, and uh, the one thing that, that really stands out, and, and of course it's typical, kind of typical for for this time of year, uh the receipts at all those barns that you mentioned are are really pretty light, and so you know, let's say Kinder, for example, two months ago running a thousand head plus, and Red River about the same. Uh, uh, they're you know they're down now three hundred, four hundred head. So, so uh, again, there's there's not much much action going on. Uh, so that is a, uh, a should be a heads up. Uh, for producers, unless you just really have to uh, take some, uh, especially calves, uh, to the to the sale barn, uh, it's so hard for these uh, sale barn owners, in my opinion, uh, to uh, to try to get the, the best prices for for these uh, calves because now you've got a situation that where we're dealing with right now, and it's and it always happens in January, February, and into sometimes into March. Where you've got just uh, the receipts at the barns are just odds and ends cattle, and and so the buyer comes there and they're looking for specific types of animals and different qualities and different weights, and they don't have enough to put a truckload together. They don't have enough really to get started on a buy. So what do they do? Uh, they they lower the price down uh, so that they can they can take them somewhere, store them or whatever, if you will. And uh, and hope that the next couple of three or four sales they can get a load put together to to ship somewhere. And when that when that happens, when the receipts are low, uh, prices are also low. So I I kind of question or tell the people that are calling and saying, well, these prices, well, what what is wrong with them? And and that is my answer to to that. Uh, these uh, cows, the cow cows, um, they're kind of up and down. Uh, they, they still they've gained some back from from the lows back in the latter part of 2018. But uh, as we move forward, uh, this also happens that receipts of cows will get lighter in February and March, and the market picks up. And and, and so that's uh, 
that's kind of a good thing. So if you got to sell some cold, cold cows, I, I would I would sure decide to do that sometime now or in the, in the next month or so. But there again, don't get disillusioned with uh, our prices when you're comparing prices to other places because it's um, it's not indicative of what the true market is only because of of these uh, light receipts and. Having said all that, I, I think we're in a position to take advantage of some uptakes in the market, and therefore I recommend that our cow-calf producers pay attention to uh, to your data reports that you put on there, some of our local markets, and hopefully they hear the, the market report that I do every Saturday morning and uh, listen to, again, uh, you and Don Molino, when you give your market reports on, the, on a regular daily basis and, and keep track of this and uh, and take advantage as the market moves higher and, and uh, have a little bit of uh, flexibility in your marketing thing because I think for us here especially uh, we're in a good we're in a good position. Dave Foster, he's a former cattle market reporter here in Louisiana, now CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Thanks a lot, Dave. I appreciate the insight as always. All right, you're welcome. Thank you. What is happening in Louisiana agriculture over the next couple of weeks? Well, it's time to check that out. We'll pull out the Louisiana Ag Calendar and take a look. The Ag Calendar is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. On the Louisiana Ag Calendar over the next couple of weeks, we have several meetings coming up. First, this weekend, this Saturday, January 26th, it's the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's Young Farmer and Rancher Leadership Conference. We'll have young farmers from all over the state coming in to Iberia Parish. They've got a lot of activities scheduled for the weekend, including touring Avery Island, where they make the Tabasco hot sauce. So that'll be a great meeting this weekend for Young Farmers, Saturday, January 26th. Then on January 29th, that's this coming Tuesday, the LSU Ag Center is hosting a data and technology conference in Alexandria. If you'd like more information on that meeting, look up their website, lsuagcenter.com. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we have a big national convention coming to Louisiana this coming week. It's the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. That'll be January 29th this Tuesday through February 1st on Friday. So all of this coming week, the cattle industry will be focused right here in Louisiana in New Orleans as they bring everyone together for the big cattle industry convention and trade show. If you'd like more information on that meeting, check out their website, beefusa.org. 
It'll have all the information that you need if you want to make a trip down to New Orleans for the nation's largest cattle convention this coming week. And peeking ahead into February, February 9th through the 16th, it's the big LSU Livestock Show at the Lamar Dixon Expo Center in Gonzales, Louisiana. That is a look at the ag calendar, and that puts the wraps on episode 25 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll produce a podcast from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in New Orleans. Until then, keep up with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. At Voice of LA Ag. That'll bring you all the latest news, information, and happenings in Louisiana agriculture through our social media channels. We'll see you next week from the Cattle Industry Convention and Trade Show in New Orleans. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.